The following audio is via a Skype call. There comes a time in each man's life when he can't even believe his own eyes. GIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. We are assisted ably, as always, by bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, it's good to be working with you again, sir. Yeah, it's good to have you back. You guys were on a little bit of a vacay. What'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? We brought you <laughs> uh, We brought you a box full of leaves. Oh, wonderful. We, we went up to New England, and we saw the start of the change of colors for fall. Oh. Reds, oranges, yellows, greens, browns, pillows of wonderful-looking colors on the hillsides, and really enjoyed it. We... Went to four states in New England together, uh, Massachusetts, spent some time in Boston, went up to Bar Harbor, Maine, and hiked through the Acadia National Park. We drove through New Hampshire a couple times, and we ended up in Vermont in the Burlington area and fell so in love, we almost moved to Vermont. Oh, I'm well. telling you, I'm, look, I'm looking for uh, Snowbird real estate up right. there. And Suzanne was on her iPhone checking out those prices. It is doable, so we're going to have to talk about that. I want you to know, Benny, that I fought hard to bring you an extra gift, but Suzanne would not allow me to buy you a New England Patriots T-shirt. Oh. <laughs> Especially one that says on the, I saw this from the trolley going around town. The guy's walking, it's on the sidewalk and he's wearing a Patriot shirt. On the back it said, they only hate us because uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> no, we hate you because yeah. you cheat yeah, exactly. and you lie about cheating. It goes a little deeper than just that. That's for sure. <laughs> oh man! So anyway, no shirt for you, Benny, but we were thinking of you and we couldn't wait to return the car oh. that we rent in and get on the plane to fly back from Boston, where we had been officially banned, I think. That's good, because uh, if you're wearing your khakis, you've got to make sure you pull out your khakis from your khakis. You know what I mean? you got to get them out of there. <laughs> and they really do talk that They really way. do talk that <laughs> So cool. So cool. It, so, was, it was a lot of fun. So we had a little fall vacation, mm -hmm. and we are back. We and, can't go uh, one step further without offering thanks. Oh, absolutely. We want to thank Mary Beckman for guest hosting the last couple of weeks, allowing us to take a vacation and still keep our show current and relevant. Thank you, Mary Beckman. She did a beautiful job. We love Mary Beckman, and she is well known in the constellation of stars that constitutes the KKNW galaxy. So we're delighted that she agreed to do this, and I'm sure that she will fill in beautifully once again, because Suzanne and I have decided that there is gallivanting in our future. There is gallivanting to be happening. <laughs> so we here we are back, glad to be here with all of you, and thank you so much for tuning in today. And a totally wonderful guest, somebody who we've had on before. I forgot to look up how many times, but this is somebody we really enjoy talking to. That's on right. On numerous topics. Why don't you do the mad props today, Gary? You know what? Thanks for the big print for these tired old eyes. I can read this. Nicole Strickland currently resides in San Diego, California, and has been innately intrigued with the paranormal since childhood 
and has studied the field for many years. She has been actively investigating historical landmarks and private residences for paranormal activity since the early 2000s after a profound experience with the spirit of her beloved grandmother. She is the founder and director of the San Diego Paranormal Research Society and serves as the team's EVP specialist. That's the stuff they record from the ghosties. And also she is the historical locations case manager. Nicole has worked with various Southern California paranormal research teams prior to developing SDPRS in 2009. She was also a core member of the Ghost Research Society, holding the GRS Southern California Area Research Director position from 2009 to 2017. Nicole Strickland also serves as a consultant to World Paranormal Investigations, as well as a California representative for the American Spectral Society. In addition, she is an area representative to various Pacific Northwest paranormal research teams. And so for the umpteenth time, we gladly welcome Nicole Strickland to Manson Mitchell. Nicole, my dear, it's great to talk to you again. Oh, thank you so much again for having me. What is this, like the seventh time? It's awesome. I just love talking with you both. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It is You're one pleasure. of those friends we've never, we have yet to meet <laughs> yet in to. person. Yet, I almost <laughs> said never, but yet to meet in person. We, we have a list of people. You're on that short list, Nicole, of people we would love to see in person and give you a big hug because we seem to feel like we know you from radio and we would sure like Absolutely. to just meet you in person and have coffee one day. Oh, or even right? a meal. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, it's it will happen. happen. And, and our oh, admiration for you is so great that when we get together for a meal, Suzanne and I have decided not to stick you with the check. Oh, my goodness. That's so sweet of you, Gary. I love it. That's absolutely sweet I of you. I love it. What I says love, love better uh, than that? <laughs> oh, I love this. Love yeah, it. You know, I, Nicole, I do want to, to mention in regard to the Pacific Northwest, because of our Western Washington Corps listenership, that you have, you went to a conference. Of course, you're getting to be a regular at the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside each spring, but also in Washington State. And I loved it when you posted on Facebook that you had fallen in love with the Pacific Northwest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's gorgeous up there. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I really have fallen in love with the paranormal community up there as well. Everyone is so nice and friendly and collaborative and i've been really lucky my very first time going to the oregon ghost conference was in 2015 and the rest is history as they say and i try to go every year to see everyone it's a fantastic conference uh the president is rocky smith uh he actually lives in oregon city and he's very involved in the paranormal community up there and he has a great committee uh, that helps do a lot of the planning for the Oregon Coast Ghost Conference. Uh, those people are also my good friends as well. So it's a fabulous event. But the energy just up in the Pacific Northwest, there's just such a serene, beautiful energy up there. It's hard to describe in words. You just have to go up there and, and feel it for yourself. But I absolutely love it. I've even thought of relocating up there one day. Nicole, I've got a question for you. When we talk ghost research, and we've now done this for several years, the EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, the Frank's yes. boxes, the, the live um, interaction with um, another realm, all of the things that are going on, from what you have heard this year, is there anything new in ghost research? 
in 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 regards to um, uh, oh the technology TV. or how people are doing it or or any any groups anything that stands out professional for you? standards for example you know that's a good question I, I think that a lot of it is group dependent but I think one thing that stands out for me is I think that there's more of an openness um, for people wanting to, I guess, communicate with the spirit realms. I'm, I'm almost seeing like this parallel relationship, and this is kind of my own opinion, my own observations, but I'm almost seeing this parallel relationship, meaning that the living is more open to and desiring to communicate with the other side, whereas the other side is also more open to communicating with the living realm and even offering some assistance to the living realm. I, you know, in my opinion, we live in such a challenged society. There's a lot of negative things that are going on, sadly. And I, I do think that the spirit world in many regards is trying to help us. So I'm seeing more people open to that. That's one uh, trend I'm seeing. I mean, in terms of technology, there's always development. People are um, experimenting with developing new technology and that sort of thing. But um, I mean, I could go on and on. But in regards to, let's say, EVP, electronic voice phenomena, and uh, instrumental transcommunication, which is a newer, um, I guess, cousin to EVP, if you will. That's if you've watched the shows, you've seen them using uh, spirit boxes or like Frank's boxes, if you will. Uh, I. In terms of devices, there's always new devices being uh, made for uh, EVP and, and, and ITC. I'm one of the, I, I kind of stick to the basics. I stick to the more classic types of devices out there. Um, but yeah, it's EVP and ITC, the whole audio component of investigating is something that really fascinates me. I mean, I'm well-versed in other types of methodology, but I find that the audio component to me is, the most fascinating. And I think it's one of the most prolific ways that we can communicate with the other side and get results. So, Nicole, I'm really happy to hear you say that one of the things that strikes you is the more openness of people to the idea yeah. of communicating with a spirit realm. And the reason I say this is that Gary and I are now in our 13th year, and for many years he and I have talked about ghosts and ghost research and the other side. And I think that initially people were thinking that we were talking a lot of woo-woo. And so it's like now as the as it matures, as it's on, on television, as it's more on radio, right. as there are more people involved and there are conferences like the one that you go to and not only go to, but make presentations at, I think that I, I like hearing you say it's kind of confirming that this is becoming a, a little bit more mainstream as opposed to being out there on the skinny branch. It's getting closer to the trunk than it is to the edge of the tree. And I, and I like that because more, more, more serious people will take a look at it. It won't just That's be right. mm -hmm. yeah, kooks, you know, it's going to be people Absolutely. who are scientific thinkers who are really looking at this and saying, what is it that we have here? And so I like that that is the work that you've done. And, and in answer to my question, you said you find people more open. I think that's a really good thing.
Yeah, I'm seeing it. I mean, I'm seeing it definitely, and I agree with you, and I like that analogy. I think, you know, 10 years ago, it was more woo-woo. Now it's, you know, I agree, it's becoming more of mainstream. You took the word right out of my mouth, more mainstream, uh, and it's becoming almost a field of its own. And I don't see as many people laughing at it as, uh, you know, opposed to in previous years, which is a good thing. There's so much out there to, to know and to study Will I, I mean, will we ever be able to prove the existence of ghosts and spirits or answer the questions as to why they're here? I don't think we will, but I think we're going to have a better understanding of, you know, the, maybe the reasons why. We won't necessarily be able to prove it, but we're going to be able to kind of tap into the unknown there and get to understand a little bit more about it, which is, to me, the fun part. You know, it's always, it's a journey. Every case I do is a journey, and I learn something new on every case. I think what you're driving at there, Nicole, is extremely important, and that is, and these are my words, not yours, but it seems that you wish to be pristine in your research, to be impeccable. That gives you an advantage for the sake of your own integrity. But I readily right. admit that nobody, if you could haul a ghost out of the closet and say, hi, everybody, meet Casper, it still would not convince, would not right. convince committed skeptics who, for the most part, maybe almost entirely, are devoid of their own original research. It's not like right. they go out right. to prove it one way or the other. They just knock down what you're saying. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, you know, cynical people, and that's fine. It's not my job to convince someone that, you know, the paranormal exists. I mean, I've had my experiences ever since I was a baby. I know the truth in it, but it's not my job to convince, you know, a cynical or, or you know, a, a skeptical type of person. Uh, skepticism and cynicism are often interchanged, but I think that they're two different things. I think being skeptical is someone that is open to the paranormal, but just a little bit more shy of it. Whereas a cynical type of person is you could have them experience like a full bodied apparition and then they would still try to explain it away. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's fine. Either, either one is fine, but um, you know, it's just, I find that people that are more on the cynical side either have not had an experience themselves or maybe they have and they're not aware of it. Or it could be that in combination with maybe a fear of the unknown, that these field and, and the topic of ghosts and, and earthbound energies and spirits is fearful or it makes them fearful and, and almost uh, scares them a bit. So I think it could be those two reasons or one of those two reasons why people are, you know, shy of it and, and might not want to study it, for example. Just my opinion, but that's kind of, Based on my years in the field, that's kind of the, those pet, those two patterns I'm seeing. So it depends. Nicole, I like I like how you say people may not be aware of it because I think right. a lot of this comes through our attunement to certain things. And I always use the same example, and that is Absolutely. if you're not looking to buy a house, you'll never see a for sale sign. But all of a sudden, you're in the market and you see for sale signs everywhere. And, right. and then you're all of a sudden you're looking your your awareness is attuned to all the for sale signs around and you're looking at the different houses on the outside, and so I think the same thing may apply with everything in life, including ghosts, 
And that is that if it's not in your consciousness that that you're aware of ghostly activity, that even if you were in the same room with a ghost, you'd never see it because you're just not looking for that. You're just not aware of that. It's not it's Absolutely. not what what's on your mind. So I think that is a great deal to do with it. And to your other point about being afraid, uh, supposedly our family had a ghost at a point where my parents were separated and moved out of the house. And my family was seeing my great grandfather protecting us on the second floor of our house where all the bedrooms were in the hallway. And I was so terrified, I would go to bed and put the covers over my head. I didn't want to see any ghost. So my mother saw it, my sister saw it, my brother saw it, but I didn't see it. In fact, we had a stranger come into the house and see it. And and so, I I mean, a non-family member, but I didn't want to see it. And so there's that other component that you talked about. If you're afraid, you won't see it. Right. Yeah. I actually just did a presentation the other day and I addressed this topic. And I think that the more exposure or uh, or like you in your words, attunement, the more I use the word exposure to for my wording, the more exposure you have to the field of the paranormal, the more aware you are, you know, of various things. Um, And so. I know for me, like just being in the field, I mean, my clairvoyant abilities, my clairaudient abilities, all of those have been more finely attuned, I I would say, exponentially than, you know, 10 years ago. So I think it's just being involved in, in, in the more, I almost equate it to a sport, like soccer or softball or baseball, the more you practice the sport, the more you play the game, the better you will get. And so that's kind of, you can kind of equate that to paranormal research as well. That makes sense. It does very much to me as well. I do want to ask you, Nicole, about the long history of the Queen Mary. When in your research, you've researched it exhaustively and you continue to research it. I'm curious, I don't think I've ever asked you a particular question about this, but it occurred to me, so I thought I'd ask now. To the best of your knowledge, Nicole, when did the Queen Mary first start to acquire a reputation as a historically haunted space? You know, that's a that's a good question. Um, there have been various years that I have heard. Uh, I want to say, to my knowledge and based on the readings I've done and, and people I've talked to, I want to say the first known haunting happened uh, in the late 40s. Now, there could have been, you know, experiences prior to that that people have had, but we just don't know about it. But actually, one of the uh, former crew members, uh, his name was William Eric Stark. He was a senior second engineer. And it was, I believe, um, gosh, I should know the date. I know I've written about it in my book, late 40s, when he passed away so after World War II and he was actually on board doing his rounds and he had a cold so he was kind of fighting that you know nasal condition and so forth and so he wanted a drink an, an alcoholic drink and so he grabbed a bottle of tetrachloride and um, thought thinking that that was gin and drank it 
And so sadly, you know, succumbed a few days later because of that. Now, to my knowledge, his, uh, there was a ghost sighting shortly after his death um, on the ship in the late 40s. Now, whether that was Eric Stark, William Eric Stark, I don't know. Uh, but to my knowledge, the late, um, the late 40s, I would say. But again, there could be, I'm sure there were experiences prior. I mean, the Queen Mary at the time that she was built, in 1934, I mean, all eyes were on this ship. I mean, she was the biggest, most luxurious ship out there at the time. So, I mean, she pretty much became an instant famous success as she was being built. And there were people that, there were uh, builders and so forth that, that did tragically die uh, when building the ship. So, who knows? I mean, there could have been an experience that builders had before the ship was built, but we just don't know about it because, you know, they people never talk to them about it. So it's hard to know for sure. Um, I know that the more the hauntings and the ghosts and the spirit activity on board, I think, has become more prolific since the ship came in Long Beach in 1967. Nicole, I've got okay. a question yeah. that I've never asked you. And that was, you were describing the Queen Mary as being luxurious. It was yes. also very large. And yes. the other time that I heard that description about any ship was about the Titanic. Is right, there any course. relationship between the Queen Mary and the Titanic as far as like who was building it or where it was built or, or anything that, you know, maybe the backers? Is there anything that you have found that shows a relationship between those two ships? There's, well, they, I mean, they had different builders, okay, so there were different builders, but at the time, um, during the Queen Mary's career, uh, Cunard had to merge with White Star, so White Star ran the Titanic, and Cunard, and Cunard ran the Queen Mary, and then when those companies merged, there could be a connection there, but in terms of uh, the builders, uh, different builders, uh, uh, different countries of origin, uh, but the Queen Mary and the Titanic are often compared to one another. Uh, I mean, they're even on the, some of the, in past times, the gift stores have kind of changed. But there was one, a few gift stores that would carry, like Titanic memorabilia. Um, another, uh, I guess, connection can be on the, the Queen Mary's maiden voyage, which took place May 27, 1936. The Queen Mary passed by the exact spot of the Titanic sinking. And they held like a commemoration. They threw out a, a commemorative wreath in the water and they did a little ceremony. So to my knowledge, you know, the Queen Mary was the only ship that really resembled the Titanic that failed to that exact spot since the Titanic sinking. So when you think of paranormal energy, could that have been the tap-in point if there were uh, you know, energies of Titanic passengers and Titanic crew in that exact spot, they see this big ship coming toward, could they think, oh my gosh, that's the Titanic. And then they equated, you know, wow, Queen Mary, they didn't know it was the Queen Mary, but they equated the, that big ship coming, it's similar to the Titanic. And maybe they moved on to the Queen Mary. So there could be a little connection there. I've often felt that a former Titanic passengers, Titanic crew um, are there in spirit form on board the Queen Mary. I've actually had a couple of sightings of officers, and when I've seen the uniforms and I've compared what I saw 
two pictures of Titanic, you know, officer uniforms. There's a match. But uh, they're often compared to one another. I mean, the type, you can't go on the Queen Mary without, you know, one of the uh, tour guides mentioning the Titanic. One uh, fun question that's always asked is, oh, everyone, what do you think's bigger, the RMS Titanic or the RMS Queen Mary? And a lot of people don't know that the Queen Mary was actually bigger than the Titanic. The Titanic could actually fit inside the Queen Mary. Serious? Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people don't know that. So, I mean, I almost feel that the Queen Mary, in many ways, even though she's been retired for you know many years since 1957, she almost carries on the living destinies of, of ships that never made it. So I kind of feel like she's carrying on the destiny that the Titanic would have had if she didn't sink. And, and this goes for other vessels as well that, that have sadly sunk and are at the bottom of the ocean. So it's like she's kind of living for all of them. I know it's, it's kind of way out there. It's kind of woo-woo, but just my own opinions and my own thoughts. I love the romantic notion of it. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> me and the Queen Mary, yes. <laughs> when we come back from our break, Nicole, what I would like to do is to have you describe your most recent visit to the Queen Mary. Oh, sure. I, yes. mean, I bet you can't even count how many times you've been there. Your lady, oh, as you no. refer to that grand ship. <laughs> There, but yeah. I'd like to hear more about that. And also, you know, a recent sure. passage of someone who is near and dear to all who love the Queen Mary to just put things oh, in yeah. current context. I also hope yeah. to set aside a little time for a recent presentation just within the past few days that you made. I don't know that it was about the Queen Mary specifically, but you're called upon many, many times to make presentation at respected and distinguished paranormal conferences, which is all to the good. I love that they see you in that light. And so if you have some of your latest presentations and the material that you are digging up in your own research as a professional, I hope that you will share some of that with us in the coming half hour as we get ready for our halftime break on Manson Mitchell. Nicole Strickland is our guest. Always great to talk to her. She is the author of Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legend. We'll return with Nicole Strickland and more of Manson Mitchell on the other side of this two-minute break. We'll be right back on Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds. And most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. 
Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Ah, thank you, Ike and Tina Turner. That was proud, Mary. Oh, well, you surprised me with that. <laughs> I thought that was very good. And you didn't use the CCR version. You went with that nasty version. <laughs> I love that. Rough. Excellent. And sometimes rough seas for the Queen Mary, but she continues, uh, not sailing anymore, but magnificently in the harbor at Long Beach, California. We are talking to Nicole Strickland. Nicole, if people would like to learn more about uh, the Queen Mary, you've written Spirited Queen Mary, her haunted legend. You've written other things uh, about Queen Mary and also about other research that you've done. So this would be a good time to talk about your books how people can connect with you, what is your website, and all that good stuff. Absolutely. So I've written three books on the Queen Mary. My latest one was my favorite to write, actually. That is RMS Queen Mary, Voices from Her Voyages. So that's a historical book, and I interviewed different people who sailed on the ship, former crew, passengers, World War II veterans, and war brides about their sailing experiences and how voyaging on the Queen Mary impacted their lives. So there's that. And I've written two uh, sister books. The first one was Haunted Queen of the Seas, The Living Legend of the RMS Queen Mary, and Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legend. And those are both like a historical slash paranormal look at the ship. Uh, with Spirited Queen Mary, I go more in detail talking about my uh, experiences on board with her resident spirits, uh, the areas that are most active, uh, a little bit more information about some of her resident resident spirits, if you will. And then let's see, other ones I've written, I've written, well, the one that you guys wrote the beautiful forward to, Spirits of Rancho Buena Vista Adobe. And the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe is an iconic uh, vista up in Vista Adobe, iconic adobe up in Vista, California, that my team has done research at for many years. And then, of course, San Diego's most haunted I talk about various haunted locations in San Diego and give a historical, I guess, tapestry along with the paranormal look at those places. And uh, Field Guide to Southern California Hauntings was my very first book that I wrote many, many years ago. Uh, San Diego's Most Haunted has replaced it, however. I'm working on some others right now, almost finished with another one. But you can get those, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. The Queen Mary uh, has all three of my Queen Mary books in her gift stores aboard, which is really awesome. 
And let's see, websites. Uh, my team's website is San Diego Paranormal Research Society at San Diego Paranormal Research.com. My uh, Queen Mary blog, I guess, website is spiritedqueenmary.com. And then my author website is authornicolestrickland.com. And then, of course, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all those good social media channels. So I'm kind of everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't People use Twitter that People have no much, excuse though, not to find you. They can <laughs> find you if they just go into the website and type in Nicole Strickland. You'll show up in a bunch of places. Oh, yeah. If you type in, like, my name, like Nicole Strickland Paranormal, Nicole Strickland Ghost, yeah, there's pages that come up. It's funny. <laughs> But, uh, Nicole, yeah, so there you have it. And thank you for that because there are lots of places where people can find Nicole Strickland in person or in print. That's the good news. Yes. Nicole, yeah. I wanted to ask you to tell us about, tell our listeners about your most recent visit to the Queen Mary, which may have been the one where there was a memorial for someone who was as dedicated to the legacy of the great ship as yourself. But what was it like getting back there one more time to be aboard the Queen Mary? Well, we actually just uh, all got together last weekend. So I belong to a group of fabulous people, all ship geeks, all ship lovers, called Clan Mary. And so we have people from all over the United States, even abroad, that are part of this group. And it started out as like a Facebook group, and it still is. But there's uh, a core group of us that get together for, like, certain ship anniversaries, like the launch. We just celebrated the 85th anniversary of the ship's launch, which took place September 26, 1934. And so about 10 of us got together and just had a really good weekend. I was only able to go up for Saturday, but some of the folks came in on Thursday and stayed through Sunday and we just hung out and talked, and uh, we went to see the new Cunard exhibit on board, which is really cool. It talks about the history of Cunard and has different displays, and there's even a research area where people can uh, research their ancestry and that sort of thing. So it's a really, it was a really well-put-together uh, exhibit. And then, of course, we had dinner at the, the famed Sir Winston's Restaurant, which is uh, like a five-star restaurant restaurant. Uh, in an area it's on the aft side of the queen mary where the engineers quarters used to be so it's a very it's a beautiful uh restaurant and they have delicious food i had the vegetable wellington and french onion it was fantastic so that was great we had a chance to get together and then we're planning our next get together which will be the um 85th anniversary of the maiden voyage in in 2021 so we're planning that, and recently uh, someone very known, very near and dear to the Queen Mary did pass. He was the captain um, of the ship, and he uh, pretty much was like Honorary Commodore Everett Ford is, also the heart of the ship, and his name was Will Kane. He's been with the ship for many years. I can't remember exactly when he started working aboard, but he's been there for many years. He's helped me with archived research for my books um, and just research in general. He passed away recently. And so the ship flags, actually, right now, if you go on board, um, I think they spell out in memoriam. So, you know, it's sad because he, I mean, you go on board and you see him walking around. He was just such a nice, friendly gentleman, always willing to take a picture with people and always willing to 
to help people and just an all-around great guy. So we're very sad to, you know, see that he had passed. Um, so, yeah, it's sad. But, uh, you know, what do you do? I mean, his, his heart's always going to be with the ship. So every time I go, he'll, he'll always be there. You know, so he'll always be there, whether visibly or not. And that's intriguing in itself. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That, you know, that actually brings me to it because a lot of people will ask me, so why do you think the ship is so active paranormal paranormally? Yes, that's a word because I said it. Why is the <laughs> ship so active? You know, and I'm, you know, there's so many theories, but one of them, I think, is because the Queen Mary has this innate ability to draw people and actually june allen one of the uh, war brides she was among the first wave of war brides to sail on the queen mary and and she i've interviewed her for my books as well wonderful lady and she has said this she says you know the ship chooses people she's open to everyone but there's certain people that she chooses and I think what she was trying to say is the people that she chooses are the people that can really feel the ship's soul in the ship's heart. And so all of us, as a part of this Clan Mary, are those types of people. We can really feel the energy of the ship. And I think with those types of people um, that are drawn to the ship in life, maybe they will be in spirit as well. So think about all the thousands of people from all walks of life that sailed aboard this luxurious ship, that fell in love with the ship like I have. Well, some of those people that are now gone and in the afterlife, maybe they choose to visit the ship in, in spirit. And that could be another reason why there's a lot of spirit activity on board. Just one of my theories. So I have also heard, Nicole, that water is a, a big conductor of yes. um, spiritual energy, and it sits on water. So do you think that would have a bearing mm -hmm. as well? I absolutely think so, yeah. She does sit in the body of water. She ebbs and flows with the tide. And I think that, I mean, there's other elements, too, to the Queen Mary. There's 56 different varieties of wood from all throughout the world that were used in the interior portions of the ship so where those pieces of wood were derived could there be energy there the manganese bronze propellers um, the iron the uh, mother of pearl quartzite ceiling in the former first and third class pool all elements that are a part of the ship that could attract and thus retain spiritual energy so i think that there's all these prevailing theories is one more dominant than the other it's hard to say i do think that there's an elusive theory meaning that no matter how many theories we come up with we'll never know the reason why the queen mary seems to be such a spiritual magnet um, i think that there's a psychokinetic type of uh, interplay as well um, psychokinesis kind of like telekinesis the ability of the mind to influence the object so many people being um, or going to the ship on a daily basis, trying to or wanting to experience the paranormal, wanting to experience the ship. You know that could, they could be psychokinetically maybe uh, attracting uh, spiritual energy to come forward. It's hard to say, but whatever whatever the, the theory is, or whatever the reason is, and there I think there's many. 
the Queen Mary is unlike any other historical location I've ever been to uh, in regard to the paranormal. It's, it's just, it produces paranormal activity on a consistent basis. And it seems that the spiritual energies there, the intelligent spiritual energies, I'm not talking about residual, I'm talking about intelligent spiritual energies, and there are many. I think that they, there's a fondness that they have, and it's almost like the ship is protecting them while at the same time they are protecting the ship. I know that sounds way out there, but I think deeply like this when it comes to the Queen Mary. So, I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> Nicole, um, Gary and I and much uh, anybody who knows the Queen Mary thinks of you as really the, one of the top experts as far as the, the history, and especially the paranormal history. I, I don't think there's anybody who knows more than you do about that. And yet you've written about a, a few other things. And I'm wondering uh, if, in addition to always having Queen Mary right, right there with you in your thoughts, it, it, what else currently is kind of getting your attention? Are you looking at anything new right now? You know, one of the that's a good question. One of the books that I'm writing, and it kind of talks about what I alluded to before of that parallel relationship between the living and the spirit world. I'm actually working on a book that goes deeper into that concept. So I've I've, inter I've interviewed a lot of people who have had experiences with uh, the paranormal, mainly experiences with uh, deceased loved ones or deceased uh, friends, pets, and how those experiences have either changed the way they view the spirit world or have positively impacted their lives. So I have a lot of my own stories that are going into the book, but I have a lot of different, you know, other people, uh, other people's stories as well. And so uh, the book's premise is, you know, talking about that that parallel relationship and, and how we have to pay attention to it. I mean, I address things such as spirit guides, near-death experiences, um, so different things like near-death experiences, uh, spirit guides, uh, even spirit communication techniques, and how all of those put together can impact how you know, how we perceive the spirit world and how we communicate with it. So it's, it's a fascinating book. So I'm kind of, that's, that's one of my newer projects right now. And then, of course, uh, we're very heavily involved with the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe because we offer our fundraising tours there, and then we do private research there. So I would say, in addition to other locations, I would say the Queen Mary and the Rancho Buena Vista Adobe are our two ongoing, I guess, case studies. We just mm -hmm. finished, a couple of weeks ago, we just finished uh, another library investigation. So this is down in Chula Vista, so South Bay, San Diego. Uh, we just finished a case study there, and we're currently going through all of our data. And I think we're going to be doing a, a presentation at the library. I think they want to make it like a community event where people can come, and we present about the paranormal and what we do and any interesting uh data that we acquired from the investigation. So that's pretty much it. And then, of course, around this time of year, I mean, for all of us paranormal people, I mean, it's very busy with more radio shows and presentations, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a fun time of the year, for sure. <laughs> it, and then I love Halloween, too. 
It's the paranormal high season. <laughs> I love right. that. Right. <laughs> That's Tell great. Me about it. <laughs> We're just stupid with jack-o'-lanterns everywhere we go. Right. <laughs> and it's so funny because I don't know. There's really the paranormal has nothing to do with Halloween. It really doesn't. But it's just you know that's the little decorations of ghosts and it gets people's minds on it. You know, it's just it's funny. But it, the two really have nothing to do with each other. Well, they, they but, really don't. Gary and I were in Salem, Massachusetts, where they had the uh, yeah. all of the the witch hangings back in 1692. Oh, yeah. We went to the yeah. Salem Witch Museum, and you expect one thing, but you get something completely different when they uh -huh. talk about the facts of what oh, all yeah. of, of right. those witch hangings were about. But as you say, it is high season. And so throughout Salem, all we saw were witches and jack-o'-lanterns, even though the the witch hangings at that time were not about, you know, jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> Let's consider that for a moment. Seriously. And I remember, Suzanne, when we were taking this tour, I stopped and thought about this for a few moments. Yeah. I, I might have even expressed my desire that Salem not turn this into Halloween Central. Because you see in the advertising around town, a lot did. of witches on yeah. brooms. I regret that because yeah. the Salem witch trials had everything to do with paranoia, with misrepresentation, with the defamation oh, of character, with people, innocent people dying. It had yeah. nothing to do with spooky times in old Salem right. and creating a Halloween atmosphere, but it's trending in that direction. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I'm glad you bring this up because it, in, in, in a way, it's exploitation. I mean, it is. Let's just admit it. Let's be real. I mean, and it's sad. I mean, it, you know, I, I this time of year, you know, I, do, I just I'm always very cognizant of that fine line between okay are you being respectful to the paranormal and to the deceased or are you inadvertently exploiting them and i i try so hard not to cross that line and, and sadly a lot of people do you know and it's the, just it's sad the reason i the reason i brought it up nicole is exactly what you're saying and that is right. that the town of salem is definitely exploiting the Salem oh. Witch Trials, and the no. museum is completely in the other direction. The museum is like this citadel of truth, and it's a, right. it's a beautiful big building. It, it's almost church-like in its structure. Oh, wow. In fact, perhaps it was a former church, I don't know, but they have a thorough presentation of the facts of it, and it's like they stand alone saying that this has nothing to do with black cats and cauldrons and all of that, the closest yeah. it comes to making a connection with, um, with evil or the dark side is in the, the very beginnings of the Salem witch trial, the fact that there were some young girls who were trying to pass the winter's days with nothing to do, and they befriended a woman from Jamaica who was telling them spooky stories just to keep them amused because it was, you know, three feet of snow outside and nothing to do. And so she would tell them stories from her country of Jamaica. 
And so that's like the closest you can get to actually, uh, you know, creating that connection. But other than right. telling some spooky stories, definitely there was in, in the museum, there was no evil, you know, there was right. no Good. devil, there was no demons. It was, uh, there were no witches right. and cauldrons and, you know, spiders and all that spooky stuff. And yet it's interesting that the city has really capitalized on that. And, uh, and, and so, so it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, the, I mean, the city, it, it, yeah. yeah. Exploiting the whole idea. And this is something that, this is one of the things that really affects me on a daily basis because, you know, I have such an innate respect and admiration for the spirit world. Now, I don't want to get on people who believe in the whole demons thing. That's fine. I personally don't believe in, in demons. I think that, and this is my personal opinion, I think that most of the alleged alleged malevolent demonic type of activity that people experience, I think could be caused by the living, whether it's a thought projection, a negative thought projection or a tulpa, any of those things. I just think that, you know, true malevolent types of hauntings are very, very few and far between. I mean, in my 20 plus years of working in this field, I haven't experienced you know, evil uh, energy, and it brings me to this point, that what you put out, you get back. Uh, if you're positive and you're respectful and you're reverent in your work with the spirits, you're going to invite that back. If you're going to go in with a provocative, negative type of attitude, well, yeah, maybe you could get something, you know, some unwanted form of energy. But I just think that, you know, I did a news, I was on the news last week, and one of the questions they asked me was, what is it? what is one thing you want the public to know? And I answered without hesitation. I said, I want the, I want people to not fear the spirit world. That's what I said. And I just think that a lot of this focus on scary and evil and demonic and this and that is just such an injustice to the spirit world. I'm not saying that negative energy doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But not to the extent that we're portraying it as you know so it's one of those things that that really gets me sometimes keeps me up at night if i really start thinking about it so yeah and, and well, another good. thing too i yeah. had in because i'm partly i'm part italian so in my italian lineage uh there were romani gypsies and they were burned at the stake for their beliefs so uh, like kind of the whole like Salem witch trials, and I've never been to Salem. It's one of those areas I do want to go to, just to pay respects, but to learn more. I would love to go visit that museum, but it's just oh, if I went into a gift store, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like what are you guys doing? You know, it's sad. Well, yes, yes, I believe it was there. In fact, in the gift shop, I mean, incredibly, because we watch commercials all the time on TV. They actually in that place, I, I could pretty much swear to it. I saw it one other place as well. But at the Salem Witch Museum in the gift shop, I do believe you can buy Zoltar socks. Yes. As in free Zoltar. <laughs> oh my God. Right. I'm going. Seriously? Okay, that's over the line. Yeah, a little bit, a little, bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Zoltar sucks. It was in the Salem Witch Museum because you pointed it out to me. Yes. We'll leave it at that. We have a few minutes left, Nicole. What was the presentation that you made the other day, your latest 
work at these conferences. Oh, yeah. You're always heralded. And, and what was it you were talking about this time? Oh, yeah. I was invited to a retirement center called Casa de las Campanas. And so one of the, the residents saw one of my present, a library presentation last year and invited me to come this year. So I just talked about uh, what I do as a paranormal researcher, like how we take on our cases, what our uh, investigative process is like. And then I went into showing some evidence. So I showed some interesting uh, photographs, many of which were from the Queen Mary, and then some interesting audio. So EVP, some spirit box recordings, uh, some disembodied vocalizations. And so that was it. It was really fun. It was a lot of fun. It was about 45 minutes and there was a Q&A afterward. And yeah, they seemed to enjoy it when I was happy about that. So I think that's great that you have these various venues for presentation of your work. It's great that you are circulating this knowledge because you can be counted on to do it in a professional and very responsible way. People may come away with varying interpretations of your work, but you present it so well that they have to look at the evidence. Right. I try to. Yeah, I always try to, to be you know professional about it. Um, in fact, actually, a, a, a metaphysical minister rose her hand and she or raised her hand, if you will, and she said, I just want to say that your presentation was very professional. And, I, you know, that, that made me feel good. I was like, well, that's good. That's, it's always good to get that positive feedback because it, it helps, you know, me to improve because I'm always wanting to improve, you know, my presentations and stuff um, or writing, whatever it be. So it's, it's, it's always nice to get that constructive feedback. I'm sure it would be. You're, probably yeah. you're going to get some constructive feedback after your next radio appearance, which is coming up on 1150 KKNW at 1 p.m. to 1.30 Pacific time. I am so thrilled that you are going to join me for American Road Trip Talk. That's a broadcast that I love to do every Friday. And we go for variety. And I thought, oh, what the heck? You're going to be here for Manson Mitchell. Let's do some trip talk as well, because the Queen Mary yeah. is a great destination. Road travelers can get there easily enough. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for being on Manson Mitchell today. We appreciate that, Nicole. And once oh, again, we call anytime. attention to, I wanted to get this title out, Nicole, Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legend. Nicole Strickland is the author of that and several other books. She is a superb writer. You ought to fill a shelf on your library at home with her work. Stay tuned for Christine Upchurch, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience, and then Gary Mance on American Road Trip Talk interviewing our guest today, Nicole Strickland. Thanks again, Nicole. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Make this the start of a great weekend. Preceding audio was via a Skype call.